Hello everyone, we would like to welcome you to our new episode of the Ranka Pro Your Podcast, the world of fan selection. ESG is here to stay and has become mainstream. It is not a one-year trend. It is all about having ESG integration in all the fund ranges. My name is Carla Solera and I am the Investor Relations Specialist here at Rankia Pro Europe. Today, we are going to talk about how to meet with the highest ESG criteria from a fund selector's perspective with Margaret Silly, fund analyst at ABN Amru Investment Solutions. Hello, Margaret. How are you? How is everything going in Paris? Hi, Carla. Very good. And you? I hope uh, everything is doing uh, well in, uh, in Valencia. Thank you for having me on, on your podcast. Thank you. Thanks to you. Yeah, everything is well. Um, so, yeah, first of all, Margot, uh, thank you very much for being here and for agreeing to take part in this podcast. Um, I think that today we are going to talk about an interesting topic and also because we are starting a new year. So, so yeah, we have to stay in the loop of what is happening. Um, for those who maybe don't know uh, you very well, maybe it's a good idea that you share more about your professional background with our listeners if you want. Sure. Well, my name is Margot. I am a fund analyst specialized on European equities at ABN Amro Investment Solutions. So a little bit of background on myself. Uh, I was born and raised in France, uh, but I have lived in different countries across Europe. I have a master in risk and asset management, and I have been working within the ABN Amro group for about four years. I started working in the ABN Amro product and solution sustainability team and then moved to the manager selection team of ABN Amro Investment Solutions three years ago. Well, that's that's an amazing background. Um, so yeah, let's uh, start uh, with uh, this podcast. So basically, um, 2021 has been variously described as uh, the year of ESG investing. And we do not expect this interest to recede. And given the societal importance that now appears to be placed on ESG issues, we expect this growth trend to, to continue throughout uh, 2022. So basically, of course, we can affirm that ESG has become mainstream and many fund managers are claiming to be sustainable. So, Margaret, as a fund selector, what are the characteristics you consider when selecting a sustainable strategy? Well, ESG has long been a structuring element of Fabian Armour Investment Solutions activity. When selecting sustainable strategy, we really tend to favor pure players who have demonstrated a clear commitment to sustainable investing over many years. We really look for asset managers who lead the market in sustainable practices and advancing the SRI debate. We, we favor managers with in-house ESG research managers that are driven by strong ESG conviction as opposed to following market consensus. The, the fund managers I tend to prefer actively participate in SRI initiatives. They really raise their voice to engagement to influence companies and, and foster positive change. I strongly believe that managers able to be strong in engagement are the ones that make the difference in the sustainable universe. I thus expect from the managers we work with higher standards in terms of active ownership. I really look for proof of concept on financial and sustainable performance. Now, I really believe that there will not be a lot of changes in ESG in 2022. Mm -hmm. I do believe that ESG is here to stay and has become mainstream. It is not a one-year trend. It is all about having ESG integration in all the fund ranges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I think it's all about the future. <laughs> so um, thank you, Margaret, for, for sharing this. 
Um, you have just mentioned engagement as one of the uh, cornerstones of your analysis. So what is the most efficient type of engagement? Engagement is definitely key to identifying ESG originals. As shareholders, fund managers should really seek transparency and accountability from companies, but also encourage them to take steps to improve their ESG performance. And I believe engagement is the tool by which they can do it. I think engagement really reflects the intrinsic motivations and intentions of fund managers. Most sustainable fund managers invest in best-in-class companies, knowing only the overall ESG rating of external providers. But to do engagement, you need to have a thorough understanding of the companies. You are driven to foster positive change. Having said that, engagement is not a perfect science. Fund managers have somewhat different methods and goals. First of all, there are differences among managers as to who is responsible for the engagement. For some managers, it is a dedicated team, while for others, engagement is performed directly by the portfolio manager. There is also the case of outsourcing engagement effort to a third-party specialist. But personally, I tend to prefer engagement to be performed by engagement professionals who are dedicated to the work. And I tend to favor close collaboration between the fund manager and the engagement team. Within engagement efforts, a distinction is also to be made between direct engagement and collective engagement. Collective engagement occurs when a group of investors come together to engage with company with one voice. For example, Find It, Fix It, Prevented is an investor-led initiative that brings really together multiple fund managers around the issue of modern slavery. The, the Workforce Disclosure Initiative is also a good example of a collaborative engagement. The initiative aims to improve corporate transparency and accountability on workforce issues. In mm -hmm. contrast, in the case of a direct engagement, the fund manager has a one-on-one -on -one relationship with the company acting on behalf of the firm or strategy he or she manages. There are also company-based engagements and issue-based engagements. Issue-based engagement typically begin with an identified challenge that affect multiple companies. Diversity and inclusion is a good example of an issue-based engagement. Mm -hmm. While diversity initiatives have been widely adopted by company and asset managers in recent years, retention and promotion of employees of colors has remained relatively low, and engagement can be a good lever to break this inertia. Company-based engagement, on the other hand, start with the company itself. Finally, it is also important to consider proactive and reactive engagement. A fund manager may engage proactively if a company operates in a sector or mar market where there is an existing ESG risk, such as modern slavery in the apparel sector. Reactive engagement is by definition responding to an event that has had or may have an impact on the company's long-term value. So one very powerful European reactive engagement that has been conducted recently by sustainable fund managers involved Kingspan, a British building material company. Engagement have been very much focused on Kingspan governance and approach to quality and safety. As you might know, Kingspan is involved in a major incident related to the use of one of its insulation products in the Grenfell Tower that caught fire in 2017. Invest investigation into the fire's ability to spread quickly have really focused on the insulation used in the building, which was partially composed of a Kingspan product. Investigation are still going on and many fund managers are engaging with Kingspan on the matter. 
So to cut a long story short, there is no one type of engagement. There are different types of engagement and their effectiveness varies depending on many factors, such as the size of the firm, the resources dedicated to the engagement, the purpose on the engagement, etc. But with that said, and regardless of the type of engagement, the key is for the engagement to be result oriented. Fund manager must have a clear process that includes realistic goals and milestones. Engagement should really not be dialogue for dialogue's sake. Mm-hmm. Um, but what if the, the engagement of the manager fails? Well, sometimes engagement goals and milestones are not met for a variety of reasons, and that is perfectly acceptable. But fund managers should have a clear escalation process in place. The idea of escalation is to build a layer of additional steps to achieve the engagement goal. The escalation process can take many forms, from holding additional meetings, to writing a letter stressing the concerns, to also seeking dialogue with other stakeholders such as regulators or NGO, to publishing concerns in the media, or in some other form, to expressing a negative opinion in annual annual AGM, but also to threatening divestment. There is no particular order to the steps, also some are clearly more consequential than others. An interesting example where the escalation process is often used is that of board gender diversity. A number of sustainable fund managers use their voting rights to target gender diversity on the board of companies in which they invest, when female representation is below 30%. Having said that, it is up to the fund manager to consider whether the escalation steps are justified by the objective. But what we don't want to see in engagement is issues fading away. We want discipline and appropriate escalation. We can see that over time, poor escalation management is leading to a myriad of issues that eventually become much bigger problems. This leads the fund manager to constantly put out fires and and compensate for the time lost because the engagement process was not properly developed up front. Now I would like to to talk about uh, greenwashing also. So basically greenwashing, as uh, everyone might know, is a communication and a marketing strategy adopted by companies. And it consists in putting forward ecological arguments in order to forge an ecologically uh, responsible image among the public. So having said that, um, how can we avoid greenwashing in climate-related funds? The greenwashing question is really an important question. The EU legislative agenda has pushed many fund managers to rethink their transition strategy and integrate environmental metrics into their investment process. Being green is becoming the new standard and the number of green investment funds is exploding. Navigating the green universe and identifying the fund managers who have scaled up their efforts to follow the most ambitious decarbonization path is therefore a challenge. Many fund managers are aiming for net zero as a business and have built into their strategies a commitment to align with the Paris Agreement. But aiming for net zero by 2050 implies an unprecedented pace of decarbonization to cut global emissions by half. And halving global emissions will require major changes across the economy, which fund managers must understand and anticipate. Mm-hmm. Net zero is a global challenge and fund managers have a responsibility to act. It is not just about making a commitment. It is about raising the voice to companies to push them to act harder and faster. When it comes to climate-focused funds, 
at ABNR Investment Solution, we really tend to favor managers who revisit corporate decarbonization targets and who are engaging with companies to reduce absolute emission consistently with the one and a half degree scenario. In addition to the importance of reducing carbon emissions, I really appreciate fund managers who encourage their portfolio companies to implement a credible decarbonization strategy, whether it is through renewable energy, recycling, or circular business model. Pursuing credible and ambitious strategy for aggressive decarbonization is not only an important step toward net zero carbon, but I also believe it helps companies gain a competitive advantage over their peers for the future carbon-constrained economy. While all business must strive to achieve net zero by 2050, public policy has a critical role to play in enabling us to respond effectively to climate change. Many companies have ambitious stated goals that resonate well, but when we look at where they direct their lobbying efforts and funding, we often see misalignment. Mm -hmm. Companies often fund trade associations that oppose what should be done to address climate change. I believe that a climate pure player fund manager should promote investor advocacy and corporate lobbying, encouraging companies to strengthen oversight over their public policy advocacy and to be more transparent. To this end, participation in international collaborative initiatives, and when I refer to participation, I mean being a leader, an active participant, is, some, is something that I really consider critical. Climate Action 100 Plus for, is, is one such example. I would like to wrap up by saying that as fund selectors, we should be mindful of fund managers who engage with companies with, with no intention of having a productive dialogue, but who engage in order to justify ownership of those companies. Mm -hmm. And Margaret, can you elaborate on an example where you see significant differences in commitment amongst sustainable fund managers? Well, I would definitely say modern slavery. Modern slavery is inherently a human rights issue that should be at the heart of sustainable finance and that is too frequently neglected by fund managers. The 2016 Global Slavery Index estimated that 40.3 million people are involved in some form of modern slavery. As major shareholders, fund managers decide where they invest and to which companies they choose to contribute capital to. I believe they should require multinationals to proactively identify problems in their supply chains, help improve the lives of those involved, and work to prevent this from happening again. Fund managers have leverage and should use it to combat modern slavery. A striking case on the difference in due diligence of fund managers related to modern slavery is the human, human rights crisis in the Xinjiang region with the, with the ethnic Uyghurs. The Uyghur region is deeply connected to supply chain in several sectors, including apparel and agricultural production. Institutional investors of all sizes can potentially be linked to gross human rights abuses through their investment in companies with operations, investments, partnership, and other business relationships in or related to the Uyghur region. While the UN guiding principle on business and human rights require all companies to conduct human rights due diligence, to ensure that they do not contribute to or are not linked to human rights abuses, this is not, often not the case. And we have seen large companies fail to do so. Fund managers often do not properly address these failures. While everyone agrees that the human 
rights crisis in Xinjiang Uyghur is extremely complex, this is the type of situation where engagement is required from fund managers and where we expect them to act. Failure to give this issue due consideration is for me a breach of fiduciary duty. And when I say due consideration, I really mean active dialogue with the companies involved in the controversy and a real call to action to, to disengage from business relationships that are linked to forced labor in the Uyghur region. Turning a blind eye to such a widespread and significant atrocity is not an option. I require sustainable and non-sustainable fund managers to, to remain diligent about this major challenge rather than avoiding the discussion. I truly believe that fund selectors have a role to play in encouraging fund managers to be transparent and active on this issue. Having said that and being so passionate about the topic, mm -hmm. I am also realistic and, and act, acknowledge that this is a, a really complex journey. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's very complex. Uh, so, Margot, uh, of course, you are working at ABN Amro Investment Solution, a place with a strong commitment to responsible investing. Uh, its approach and offering meet the, the highest ESG criteria. So I was wondering, what is your biggest challenge at ABN Amro Investment Solutions? I think the biggest challenge, again, is navigating through the, the ESG fund universe and finding the pioneers, the managers who have SRI in their DNA, the managers who are engaging with, with pure intentions and pure motivation. I think this is the real challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, amazing, Margaret. Uh, thank you for, for sharing your point of view on everything that I asked you uh, with our listeners, um, as I think that this can be very useful for them, of course. Uh, well, thank you. Thank you very much, Margot. So, well, your listeners, um, of course, we could be here for much longer, but unfortunately, um, this podcast is coming to an end. Um, thank you very much, Margot, uh, our incredible guest. Uh, it, it has been a real pleasure collaborating with you. It's always good to see someone passionate about something. Um, and yeah, and as I always say, I hope that these really interesting discussions get growing and we'll look forward to the upcoming talk with more fans selectors. Also, before I forget, um, if you want to be up to date uh, with the latest news within the asset management industry, subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter. Thank you so much, everyone. And thank you, Margaret. Thank you. Thank you.